Welcome to the Summer Camp Programming Podcast. I'm Kurt. And I'm Chris. And today we are excited to have Jeff Salzman from Nature Watch uh, on the podcast with us. I know I have been a past customer of Nature Watch, and I know Chris is always getting stuff from Nature Watch, right? I did. I just ordered something too. I ordered some more tea cookies. So, <laughs> uh, so it's it's great. This is it's uh, it's great to have Jeff on with us. Um, Jeff, I want you to go ahead and and introduce yourself uh, and uh, tell us a little bit about Nature Watch. I guess. Absolutely, Kurt and Chris. Thank you first so much for having me on of your course. podcast. Uh, my name is Jeff Salzman. I'm one of the o- owners of Nature Watch, and together with my business partner Harold Gordon. Um, and our amazing team. We have an incredible staff. Um, we have the joy of being able to provide educational products that teach children about nature. And um, we handle every aspect of it from product development to customer service, uh, shipping, packing, receiving, you name it, we do it. And we're really glad to be doing it. It's awesome. So, so how did Nature Watch get started then? Yeah, actually, a kind of a funny story. Harold and I were customers of Nature Watch, like you are, uh, well <laughs> before we ever owned the business. Uh, our backgrounds are actually as summer camp directors. And for many years, we ran two summer camps here in the Los Angeles area, Camp Canaret and Sunny Skies Summer Day Camps. And if you go all the way back to the mid-1980s, there was a woman named Terry Lieberstein, who was in a graduate program at the time, and she started to test pilot these kinds of ideas and concepts of teaching hands-on nature to kids at our summer camps. Uh, mm-hmm. And each year, she would just sort of add one more to, to, to her repertoire. <laughs> and she was really way ahead of her time. You know, now we look back um, and realize how uh, cutting edge she was, because at the time, uh, nature education, environmental education really wasn't at the forefront of people's minds. Right. Um, now, now, thank goodness, it's, it's much more commonplace. But yeah. she really started this. This was this was her baby. And we saw the value as camp directors first. We used her programs for forever uh, at our summer camps. And the reason we did is is kids found them to be fun and engaging. They were hands on. The kids didn't even know they were learning, which is often the very best part. (laughs) Uh, Staff found them really easy to use and implement. They came with everything you needed and uh, they came with the educational information as well. So you didn't need to be a science expert, you know, in order to lead these activities. And as camp directors, we found them economical. Um, the, you know, the cost even today is only about a dollar and a half per child per project. And, and we were able to take the kit and hand it off to that college-age counselor, and they could run with it. Yeah. There wasn't, wasn't a lot more that needed to be done because it was all right there, all self-contained. I, I think it's important to break down that it's only, you know, a lot of these projects is only $1.50 <clears throat> because a lot of times you think, oh, well, you know, I'm spending this huge amount mm-hmm. of money. But when you break it down, I used to do that with camp all the time. It's like, look at a craft and I go, oh, the, you know, it's kind of expensive. It's a big, big part of the, oh, wait, it's only a dollar per person. That's not expensive at all. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, if I raise a dollar in registration fees, no one's even going to bat mm-hmm. an eye, but so how did, kind of going along with how it got started, how did you two end up being owners? Terry got to the point where she was ready to move on to other things. And totally by coincidence, she ended up selling her business to two couples 
one of whom happened to have children who attended our summer camp program. And that was completely random. She found them through through a business broker. And we were very surprised to get the call um, from that family saying, hey, guess what? We're the new owners of, of Nature Watch. And they ended up owning... <laughs> They ended up owning Nature Watch for about a year and a half, and we had been in touch with them during that time, and, and they had some things that, that led them in other directions. And um, we've operated Nature Watch since January 1st of 2003, so it's hard to believe how time flies. It's been, what, almost 16 years. Yeah. You know, Chris and I were talking about how – because Nature Watch is in California, right? We are. So of, of how big outdoor education is on the West Coast uh-huh. – He's in Illinois, and he's just starting to get kind of a, an outdoor education program started, but it's not it's not nearly as big. Whenever you, what, what oh, Chris, no. you were saying when you looked it up on the internet, it was just all California stuff. Yeah, everything was in California. So. Right. <laughs> it does seem that there are certain states uh, that tend to be more inclined or or tend to have more funding for for these types of programs. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what leads one state to have more than another. For example, Wisconsin seems to have a, a lot. Just for example, huh. um, so many beautiful parks and um, and lakes and nature centers and and things and um but you're right there there are some differences amongst the states well i think big a big part of us is just the illinois funding too and and in schools where they have to spend it versus coming out here and so it's a little bit different we'll get there maybe (laughs) (laughs) so who who you think who are your biggest customers i mean is this camps is this schools like who, who do you see more of yeah, one of the really fun parts of Nature Watch is working with our customers. I mean, it's just so fun to work with uh, many different groups, but all of whom share this one thing in common, which is that they're teaching children, they're teaching the next generation about mm-hmm. nature and the environment. And you're right, it's everything from camps to outdoor education programs, nature centers, schools, often after school programs children's museums, libraries, uh, boys and, and Girl Scout oh, wow. programs, homeschool groups. And oh. uh, it, it, re- it really is fun. And of course, we also have moms and dads and grandparents who may order from us as well. But working with those, uh, with the organizational buyers and all of these different sort of niche groups, is, is it's really a lot of fun. So you get parents too, then, that, that buy as well? We do. We do. Sometimes a parent may be looking for a a gift of some kind and they want it to be more educational, Um, not just a toy, but maybe a toy that that teaches at the same time. And uh, we do have have parents and and, and many homeschool groups also. Right. Yeah. The homeschool groups are probably the biggest that comes out even to my camp to do all of this. So technically you you sell to me but it's going to homeschool groups even <laughs> yeah. in my camp so yeah <laughs> so so what are a couple of your most popular items yeah i think our most popular uh, grouping of items are our nature craft kits mm-hmm. so um we offer about 65 different kits each kit comes with enough materials for either 25 or 100 projects worth so it, depending on your group size and also depending on if you want to divvy up projects based on on age group then each child gets to make and take home their own craft and that's such a big part of what we offer which is the idea that kids are learning 
by being hands-on, by being engaged, by just really getting into an activity and, and, and enjoying it. We offer things like real working hummingbird feeders or butterfly feeders, bird calls, sundials, uh, things that kids get to assemble and then get to take home. So the, the craft kits are very popular for that reason, as well as the fact that, that they really are reasonably priced for programs to be able to, to afford them. And then other uh, popular items, uh, Chris, I think you may have mentioned it, are things like what we call our tree cookies or tree discs, mm -hmm. which are cross-section of a tree and turned into necklaces. They're a great natural name tag. Uh, also, owl pellets, uh, replica animal skulls, just so many different. We offer field guides as well. Um, we offer about gosh, 13 to 1400 different individual items. But, um, but I think overall, it's probably our craft kits that are that are most popular. Uh, they're totally unique to us. And they really work well, so well for these programs. And not only are they a nice project, but they do have that educational component to them as well. So when kids make that hummingbird feeder, hopefully they've not only enjoyed making it and then using it, but maybe they can also name two or three key facts about hummingbirds that they learned by going through, by, by going through and making the project. Uh, I'm going to recommend those owl pellets because yes. I was working at one outdoor ed uh, program and we got all these owl pellets when, when the, we call her the principal, the principal of the program, when she ordered these, I was like, oh, really? I don't want it. We're taking apart <laughs> these owl pellets. This is going to be messy. I, I wasn't into it at all. Once we started and picking out the bones and putting them together, it was the most fascinating, coolest project. I was so engaged with it, but the kids were too. Just putting together their little animal, all these bones. It was so much fun. It was so much fun. So, And then we also got the animal tracks. Um, to put mm -hmm. out animal tracks, and that was uh, neat to set up as well. So, yeah, I love those. It's always funny to see people's first reaction to owl pellets, uh, especially adults, because <laughs> right. they tend to be a little bit squeamish. But to see children's <laughs> eyes light up, it, it really is a perfect project because of the exploration that takes place. It allows them to jump right in, yeah. and it really encourages them to ask a lot of questions and to really get, get hands-on with the activity, and, and that's the best kind of learning. Yeah, absolutely. Which one's your favorite? What do you personally like the best? Yeah, we have one craft kit that I just love. It's our press leaf coaster kit. And kids learn a little bit about pho photosynthesis. And then the kit gives them all of the materials to make a coaster using pressed leaves, which are also included. Oh, cool. So you can picture you've got these really nice looking different colored pressed leaves that are that are real and um, some acrylic plastic squares and then a foil tape that goes around and kind of sandwiches those leaves in between those two plastic squares and then some rubber bumpers that go on the bottom and what i love about it is just it's a really cool finished project it's the kind of project that that older kids really uh enjoy and appreciate because the fin the cool factor is high for the finished project and it's also funny because it when it comes to our our catalog or our website uh it's a difficult project to capture in an image, in a photo. You aren't quite mm -hmm. sure what you're looking at, but when mm -hmm. we go to conferences and we show these at our at our booth, it's one of the first items that uh, visitors will come up and see them and say, oh, I saw those, but I didn't realize they were this cool. <laughs> and they, they really are. They really are nice. And it's funny, I this project's probably been around for a dozen years or so. And I remember when we made the first prototype of it, I actually still have it. 
and uh, they look almost every bit as good today as, as they did when we made them a dozen years ago. So that's really a, a, a favorite. Um, it's also a good example of how we're able to keep costs down. And the reason being that if you were to try to piecemeal this project together on your own, um, you probably could, but your cost would be so high. Right. And because yeah. we're able to buy the various pieces in bulk, we then pass along that savings to our customer, and that's how we get the price down to that you know one to two dollars uh, per per project. A couple other favorite projects, if I can mention two others, we actually just designed over the last two years two wonderful posters, and one of them is an animal track poster. And it really captures the imprint into dirt or sand that would actually appear in the wild. And it's, it's a remarkable poster. And it actually is an interactive poster. It comes with a sort of like a study guide. And although there is a key at the bottom of the poster, you can kind of put a post-it note over that. And uh, it allows for a give and take between an instructor and the students who are learning to identify these tracks. The tracks are life-size, and I believe there are 16 different animals that are depicted in that one. And then uh, another poster is a butterfly life cycle poster that just came out this year. And what's wonderful about that is it uses real images. It's, it's, it's real high-res images that were taken of the butterfly life cycle through each stage. And uh, it kind of just shows the, the metamorphosis that takes place. And it's a really beautiful poster as well. So, so when you are these like these posters, are they ones that you find or ones that you create? In the case of these two posters, we created them. Really? Um, yeah, we, we worked with um, two different artists, one who was really an expert in like almost like an animated drawing, and then the other who had this incredible photography. And we actually, together with them, developed the poster, but they are Nature Watch posters. Oh, that's neat. So you just you come up with this idea and you're like, hey, let's let's put this together and go forward and find out, you know, just kind of like, here's how we're going to do it and make it happen. I love that. Exactly. And often we learn about so much through our customers. So, for example, mm. we had learned that our customers were really looking for an animal track poster. And there are lots of other nice posters out there. But one of the things we saw is that for many of those posters, the animal track was simply the 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 shape. It almost looked like a rubber stamp of the animal track. And what we really needed to capture was the fact that this is an impression that goes down into right. into the soil. And um, we, we learned that and actually had a number of our customers help us in the design process. They reviewed and edited the poster for accuracy uh, oh, during the great. course of, of developing the poster, which was great. I, I, I'm looking everything up and I'm like, oh, I got to buy that. I love this. This is cool. <laughs> He's already got a shopping list going. I know. Um, in uh, in re reference to the coasters, I think it's important. When I first got into camping, you know, so many crafts were done, but they were crafts that were, especially I find with day camps, these cheesy crafts mm -hmm. that cost 50 cents and they're throwaway crafts, right? So they take them home and immediately they go in the garbage. Where I've come to realize that it's so much better to spend a little extra money to put together a quality craft or project that they will keep for a very long time. It's it's not a straight to the bin craft, and so I really like that. I, I every time I talk to campback crafts, I really push you know spend a little extra money um, because this is something that they're going to keep, and whenever they see it, they're going to think about camp or their outdoor ed program or what have you. They'll learn something 
you know, um, and it's just really important. So I appreciate that you don't have junk. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And as, as camp directors, we, we found that as well and saw the value in having the really solid craft and not the craft that looked good in the catalog, but mm -hmm. didn't actually make it home looking, you know, like, like we wanted it to. The other thing is that by having a nice craft go home, it really gives the parent an opportunity to speak with the child about what they did that day. Um, we know often when kids arrive home at the end of a long day and the parent might say, how was your day? You know, it was good. And what did you do? And the child says, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so when they walk mm -hmm. in the door and have a really, really nice craft um, that they can share, it allows the parent to then start asking some questions. Oh, you know, what's that in your hand? Oh, yeah, that's a pocket sundial I made today. And here's how it works. And here's why it works. And hopefully they'll be able to also remember some of the educational part of it as well. Right, right. The uh, pocket sundial is a favorite at our camp. That is, even my program director has had one hanging in his uh, office for like three years now. So that's awesome. <laughs> he loves it. Nice. So, Jeff, you talked about that you really kind of listen to your customers and you get feedback from them. Have they ever used products in kind of a non intended way, kind of making it, you know, in some fun or unique ways? Definitely, definitely. And I think the, a, a good example of that is we offer 16 different resin animal tracks. And the way that they're typically used is that uh, a program will have, let's say, a bucket of wet sand and a child will take that track. They'll push the track down into the wet sand, which will then leave the impression of the animal track. They'll then uh, fill that, that impression with plaster of Paris allow the plaster of Paris to dry, and then each child can take home their own track. So maybe it's a coyote or a deer or a bobcat, and it will be the plaster of Paris version of that track. Well, using those very same resin tracks, we've had several customers over the years who have been in the process of pouring either a walkway or a sidewalk out of concrete, and they will decide oh. to use those tracks to put permanent impressions huh. into that walkway. And some of them will decide to use, let's just say, deer going in one direction and a coyote going in the other. And it may even so be the cool. way that, that they direct kids to get from one area to the next, um, you know, follow the deer track from here to there. And um, it, it, it's just a really nice way to incorporate that into an overall look and feel of a nature area. But that came That's from cool. them, and I thought it was just a wonderful idea. That is, that is. That is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> You've got Chris's head spinning I, right now. I already have plans now. <laughs> that is awesome. That's a great idea. Oh, what, anything new you guys got? Any new items you want to share or talk about? We were really excited this year for the first time to be able to have what we call a Save the Bees section of both our print catalog and also our website. It's such an important topic and it's one that kids can really understand and, and relate to. We had hoped to actually start this a couple of years ago, but we just didn't feel like we had enough content yet. We're now at the point where we really do. We really want to help educate uh, children about the decline in bee population uh, and col colony collapse disorder. 
there's so many little things that we can do and um, can teach children that they can do little things to, to make a difference. And by having all of these projects and products around this one theme, it really, I think, helps them understand it in different ways to do a hands-on project, to read a book about it, to look at what the, the life cycle of the honeybee lo you know, looks like. So it, it, it gives it to them from, from many different angles. We, we don't want to put too much pressure on children. It's hard to say to a six-year-old, it's your responsibility to <laughs> save, save the earth single-handedly. Um, but we do believe that if, <laughs> we do believe that if we can, can teach them to appreciate nature, if we can give them some of the basic yeah. understandings of what some of the issues are, that it will inspire them to want to take care of nature and maybe to get involved in, in some of the causes that appeal most to them. And um, so this Save the Bees area has been one for, for this year that we're really proud of. So there's a line of products in that kind of, it's, but it's not just a curriculum, there's different projects. That's correct. Gotcha. We have a number of, uh, of different products and projects that are really all teaching um, a, a, about this important topic. Neat, neat. It's available now, right? It is. Is there, do you have any plans for, you know, I know that aren't top secrets, any plans you can share with us for uh, things that you're working on or coming out with in the future? Yeah, as we look to, to next year, we are going to continue to build on the Save the Bees theme. We do have some ideas and products that we're exploring just to continue to focus on that. Uh, but in addition to that, uh, we've also started another theme that we're going to continue to build on, which has to do with outdoor living skills um, or survival skills. Uh, everything from um, the importance of uh, safe drinking water, how, how, how to know if water is safe to drink, to uh, building fire, to directional signs, navigation, compass work, uh, shelter building. And uh, so we're, we're looking at kind of all of those areas as an outdoor living skills theme, and we're going to continue to develop products along those lines as well. And it's another good example of something that you can do very low cost. Um, just by getting some rope, you can learn all of the different knot tying that's involved. So one good field guide and, and you know, a couple hundred feet of rope that you cut up into, let's say, three foot sections. Um, and you've got a great project um, and, and uh, an activity for kids to learn all of the different knots associated, you know, with outdoor, outdoor living or by getting some compasses. You, you can set up treasure hunts um, or scavenger hunts that sure. involve going, you know, go take 10 paces north and, and 15 paces west, et cetera, till they get to some, let's say, treasure at the end. And um, so many great low-cost activities that can be incorporated where, where kids are learning some of these skills as they go. Well, I, I think that's part of my my favorite part of your website and your stuff is all the, the here's how to do it, here's the, the standards that it meets. I, I love, like, that's what's the best. So I can not only just buy this stuff and do it, but I can show schools and homeschools like, hey, here's what we're covering. Here's, you know, here's what you're going to learn, what you're going to get out of it. And, oh, it's perfect. We just, we kind of just started our outdoor ed. I mean, really just last year, we really got kind of got into it and getting stuff from you guys and, and things like that. But is there anything you would say for someone getting started? Like, you know, what's easy? What's what's not so easy? Don't do this. You know, maybe don't start here. But where would you kind of recommend people just start now? Where should they go? Yeah, I, I think a really critical element is knowing what age group you're working with and making sure that you're matching whatever it is, whatever themes you want to teach 
and concepts that you want them to learn to make sure that it's age appropriate. Uh, as camp directors ourselves, the times that we ran into challenges was when we looked back and said, uh-oh, we made the mistake <laughs> of try, trying to teach something to a first grader that really is more yep. applicable to a fifth grader. Um, or the opposite can happen as well, where you try to teach something to a fifth grader and you've just, they're bored because it's it's something that, you know, they should have done three, four, five years ago. And in their words, it's too babyish for them. So I think there's a, there's a lot of, uh, of great projects that can be done, but you just want to make sure that you've targeted the age group correctly when you go to teach them. And do you have that on your website or each project? Do they have ages? They do. They do. Some of the projects have a wide recommendation because some of them really can be broad. Sure. Uh, and, and others are more narrow. An example of that is we have one uh, craft kit that requires a bunch of knot tying. And so for a fourth or fifth or you know sixth grader, doing that knot tying is going to be just fine. But if you tried to do that with a first or second grader, unless you had a lot of staff there to assist, it would become very frustrating both for the child and also for the staff as well. So yes, that, yes, that's, I was. You know, <laughs> <laughs> even friendship bracelets, forget it, you know, <laughs> or lanyards, forget it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So yeah, we do have recommended ages and uh, some are a little bit more narrow and, and, and some can, can appeal to a wider span of ages. And, uh, the, oh, go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. Uh, I say the key is with the camp director that buys it needs to look at those <laughs> recommended ages instead of just buying it and saying, all right, counselors, go to town, because that may or may not have been what I did this summer. So. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the, the other thing to know is just as former camp directors ourselves, we're really have uh, the unique ability to really help our customers plan their programs. And we love doing it. So, mm -hmm. We, we will sometimes get calls, but I wish we would get more of them where someone comes to us and says, here's our program, here are the age groups, here's what we're trying to achieve. Can you help us match up which kits and activities to do this summer? And we're, we're more than glad to do it. We've done it many times, but, uh, but we'd love to do it even more because we can really help set that program up for success. And, and do you prefer people uh, do that through email or call, call you? It may start by email, but we're we're old fashioned. We like a good old fashioned <laughs> phone call where there can be real give and take, where we can ask them questions about right. their program and really get to understand what it is that they're trying to achieve. How many kids at a time will be working on the project? What the uh, what the age ranges are? How many staff are there? Uh, by by us being able to talk through this with our customer, we're able to help make those selections best. Great. So no, no, nothing specific on what is the easiest uh, project or the hardest, just it depends on the age. I think it yeah. really does. I think it really does. That's a good answer. Um, yeah, there, there are some very popular projects that we were talking about earlier, such as those, those tree cookies, um, tree discs, mm -hmm. which, which really can work well for lots of different ages. But I think, I think for the most part, it is good to, to really target by age and also by theme. You may be in an area where, for example, you may have a creek that runs through your property. And so you may want to take advantage of that and do some water quality testing, or you may want to um, do some panning for gold and teach a little bit of history. And and by being able to, to really tailor the project to not only age group, but also to the, the site and facility itself, that can be a nice combination. By the same token, if you're in a classroom, 
the Nature Watch projects are also a great way to be able to bring nature into a more urban area, a place that maybe doesn't have a creek mm-hmm. or a river, but where you can now be bringing natural resources in where children might not otherwise have the opportunity to explore those types of materials. There you go, Chris. That's I, true I can for. get some California redwoods. <laughs> <laughs> So besides your website, uh, is Nature Watch on social media? Yeah, yeah. And this past year, we've really made an effort to do a lot more in the way of social media, uh, as well as uh, we started a blog as well. And uh, we feel really good about doing that. It's just another way for us to engage with customers. And that's our goal is to be able to uh, talk to customers in whatever way is is comfortable for them. And for some, that's being online. For some, it's on the phone, certainly email. So yeah, our website is nature-watch.com. We've got that little hyphen or minus sign between the word nature and watch. And by visiting our website and getting on our email list, that's a great way to stay in touch. We try not to uh, bombard people with too many emails, but just enough to, to keep you up to date on what it is that, that we're working on. And as far as social, we are on Facebook at uh, Nature Watch Catalog, uh, Instagram also under Nature Watch Catalog. And Pinterest is another. Uh, there you go, Chris. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> many great ideas on on Pinterest, and there you can find us under Nature Watch Pin, and uh, can be found uh, in 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 all three of those social media outlets, as well as our blog. And by being part of our uh, of our email newsletter, you'll also get uh, reminders whenever a blog is posted. Great. Great. Now, are you on YouTube at all? Do any? I, I'm very much a visual person. I need like I I need very easy to follow examples. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We are just now starting to do more uh, more YouTube videos, and um, we had done some for a few of our kits going back a number of years, and those are on, on YouTube, but they can be accessed through the product page. And it's a really nice way, like you were saying, um, just to be able to see exactly how to do the project and and what it looks like. And uh, we're going to continue to try to do more and more uh, videos because if, you know, if a picture is worth a thousand words, a video is worth even more Mm -hmm. than that. You really get a sense of of what a project entails and can uh, get a sense of what the materials are and even how easy or difficult it is to assemble. Jeff, is there anything that you would like to add? Um, you said get on the email list. That's that's important um, so that people can be updated on when you have a new product or anything like that. Uh, is there anything else? Exactly. And from time to time, we will do a promotion um, and we'll do that through email. We don't do a great deal of promotion. There are a lot of companies out there that that really modify their pricing by setting high prices and and then offering big discounts. And we've really taken the approach of trying to keep our pricing, like we talked about, as low as possible all the time. We 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 are former camp directors. We know what it's like to plan for a program, and um, so our goal is to keep those projects uh, right around when we can that dollar fifty per child price. Right. So that no matter when you order, you're going to get that price. <laughs> you don't have to wait for Black Friday, right? Exactly. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> uh, every once in a while, we'll do a promotion, perhaps for some of the closeout items that we offer or maybe mm-hmm. for a particular theme or subject. But for the most part, we really try to offer our best pricing all the time and, and, and to keep that pricing down. Um, and as far as anything else to add, just we, we love what we do. We, we really enjoy uh, working directly with our customers as much as possible so customers can feel free to pick up the phone or email us. 
it's what we enjoy most really is is providing the customer service as well as developing the new products that that we do it's it's um it's a lot of fun to do it it's a lot of fun to have our customers provide feedback on new products and um we just feel that that anything we can do to support the work that they're doing they're doing the important work which is working directly with those children and helping them hopefully enjoy and appreciate nature so that they'll be stewards of nature and the environment going forward. Nice. Nice. Well, it's been a real pleasure having you on yes. uh, today. I learned a lot and uh, it was great to talk and laugh with you. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. I guess it just leaves you and me now, Chris, Ooh. just the two of us again. And our question, <laughs> uh, question I have for you this week is, what piece of tech can you not live without as a camp director? Uh, it's hard to pick one because I, I, Kurt even made fun of me. He's looking at my desk and my three computers on my desk. He looks but... like he looks like a stockbroker. All these, <laughs> like he's tracking every stock, all these monitors and everything else. <laughs> um, well, and I, you know, normally I'd probably say my my MacBook. But I, I think my phone, my iPhone has been mm. the number one thing I use for everything because even on the road, I can pull up podcasts in there with Siri. I have her read emails to me and I'll email people back through through talk to text. Um, and so I and I all the apps that I have with the, the stargazing app and the uh, tree and plant identification app and stuff that I use for camp. Uh, that's my number one is my phone. All right, that's fair. You know, I phone, phone or computer would be kind of my number one thing too. But I'm gonna say, um, since you kind of took those, I'm gonna say I, I don't think I could as a as a director, I, I wouldn't be able to live without a printer because oh. printing stuff out, you know, schedules yeah. and uh, just everything, little signs to post up and coloring sheets possibly and <laughs> marketing materials and photos and everything else. So a, a printer, a good printer. Um, and, and if you can, I know we talked about this before, but if you can afford a plotter printer, which <laughs> prints out full-size posters, mm -hmm. those are awesome because then you, you can get no. these posters and hang them up or take them a camp fairs and that type of stuff. So it's so fine. funny because the, all of my, I, the way we run our camps now, I, if the electricity went out, I'm in a lot of trouble. Uh, <laughs> so, right. Like, and here we are, we're at a camp, we're out in the wild and nature and stuff, but man, I need my electricity for a lot of doing everything. And even registration now is all, <laughs> you're like the, the, the best tech item is my AC. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. I definitely need that. Right. No electricity, oh. no AC. Uh, cool. I think that's right. it. That was fun. That was a yeah, good I interview. Don't... It was nice having Jeff on I, and learning more about Nature Watch and mm -hmm. uh, and how much you are. You're like a super fan. I, it's good <laughs> stuff. It is good stuff. It, it, the best part, I mean, really is the best part, is all the work's done for you. Yeah. Like, you don't just buy an item and then, okay, how do I teach this? It, it's already, here's how you do it. That's my favorite part. Right. Nice work right. on me. But Awesome. Well, from around the campfire, this has been Chris and Kurt. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for listening.